Hey Applauders, it's Jen. Welcome to another episode of Craft Services Table, where we highlight different shows that we've become friends with on Twitter or other social media outlets. This week we're highlighting Nopeville, who just released their episode called The Witchy Tour. We've been friends with Nopeville for a couple of months and really enjoy the format of their shows. They cover a wide variety of topics, especially ones that would make you squirm or say nope. Here's a brief description of their show from their podcast page. Welcome to Nopeville, a city where all the whores that make you say nope are rumored to have gathered and make their home. Join your guides, Christine and Jen, on an all-inclusive tour as they introduce you to the worst nightmares from the paranormal, supernatural, true crime, fiction, and nonfiction. You can find their website at nopevillepodcast.com, on Twitter at nopevillecast, and on Instagram at nopevillepodcast. You can find them pretty much wherever your podcast app preference is by simply searching for Nopeville. Here's a brief snippet of Jen and Christine discussing the Salem Witch Trials. I hope that you enjoy listening as much as I do. Again, here's Nopeville. So essentially this means that the people claiming to be afflicted by witches would claim that the accused had appeared to them in a dream or vision, either as themselves or even as an animal like a black cat. Mm Mm-hmm. They claimed that the witch had bitten, pinched, choked, or otherwise harmed them, as mentioned in our first episode on sleep paralysis. Yep. Which I feel, I think Bridget Bishop was supposedly showing up in people's houses as a black cat sitting on their Mm -hmm. chest. Yeah. And then they were actually having sleep paralysis. Right. So that makes you wonder, like, did the person imagining these things also not have some sort of psychological disorder? Right. And they're like, this person's a witch. No, you're just schizophrenic. The devil actually talks to you. (laughs) Apparently, the magistrates decided it was acceptable to use spectral evidence to condemn someone because of a 60-page booklet written by Gilbert Geis and Ivan Bunn about the case of Amy Denny and Rose Cullender. Mm -hmm. These women were accused of witchcraft, stood trial, and hanged in Lowestoft, England in 1662, and spectral evidence had been permitted. So the only thing was someone accusing them, and they're like, yeah, we believe you. It just said it was permitted. It didn't necessarily say it was the only evidence. Yeah. But that led the course to be like, oh, well, that works. <sighs> Other evidence included the touch test in okay. which an afflicted person would cease having their fit when the person that bewitched them touched them. Uh, okay. Subjective. Yep. Also, the witch mark, which could be any wart, mole, birthmark, or outstanding swelling or discoloration on the body, which did not bleed when poked with a dull needle or pin. Okay. Also, any discovery of items such as poppets or books of palmistry and horoscopes or even pots of ointments. So if you found any of that in someone's home, they're mm-hmm. a witch. All right. It's said that while Cotton urged caution with admitting this kind of evidence, he very quickly pulled a 180 and argued for a speedy and vigorous prosecution. So people were just trigger happy. Oh, yeah. They were <laughs> just like, there's so many people in jail. Let's just get them out of here. I don't they're care like, how. I'm bored. I want to see a hanging. Yeah. Well, this, this person's a witch. Put them up there. Yeah, but it was actually his father, Increase Mather, president of Harvard College, who finally took a more solid stance than his son that spectral evidence should not be admitted and argued that, quote, the standards of evidence for witchcraft must be equal to those for any other crime, end quote. Right. He's also on record as concluding that, quote, it would be better that 10 suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned, end quote. That is why you are the president of Harvard. Yep. Good job, sir. 
By this time, public support over the trials had begun to wane, and by October, Governor Phipps dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer. Furthermore, he demanded that its successor disregard spectral evidence, and thus trials continued until early 1693, albeit with less intensity. Mm -hmm. And then by May, Phipps had pardoned and released all of the accused witches from prison. That's good. Attempts to atone for the atrocity of the Salem witch trials began in January 1697, when the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting. Okay. Because that makes up for everything. They're like, oh, we killed 20 men and women, but, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. not eating today, so you're good. They actually killed more than 20 when you actually add it up, but, like, the actual hangings killed about 19 to 20. Mm -hmm. And then another, like, eight died. Right. The court also later declared the trials unlawful, and the leading justice, Samuel Sewell, publicly apologized for his role. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1711, the Massachusetts colony passed legislation to restore the good names of the condemned and provided financial restitution to their heirs, because that's equivalent to all of the lives lost. Right. In July of 2017, the city of Salem, Massachusetts, opened a memorial for the people that were convicted and killed during the Salem witch trials. The memorial consists of a semicircular area enclosed by a wall, which contains the names of the people that were hanged in the location, as well as a single oak tree at the center. Mm-hmm. The tree is said to be a, quote, symbol of endurance and dignity. <laughs> <laughs> the memorial was funded by dozens of small donations, many from descendants of those killed in the, that site, in addition to a community preservation act grant Mm -hmm. as with anything that doesn't quite make sense to us in the here and now there are some theories as to what exactly caused the events of the salem witch trials to take place yeah one theory contends that it could have been a sort of post-traumatic stress in some of the girls perhaps having witnessed some of the atrocities of king philip's war Mm-hmm. which took place nearby in the 1670s, coupled with the culture of fear that was generated by the continued threat. Yeah. All right. I hope that you enjoyed listening to that snippet as much as I enjoy listening to their show. I think that Jen and Christine do a really great job on their research and they're delightfully detailed. I have really great rapport. They've got lots of other great episodes, including a creepy carnival tour, urban legends, The Plague, and the one that got me hooked, Tour of the Living Dead. And I also hope that you've enjoyed listening to Craft Services Table. This has been our third episode so far. Overall, we've been seeing pretty good success in our downloads for this series. So I hope that you've been enjoying being introduced to these shows that we've become friends with. If you have any feedback or questions for us, you can email us at shockedandapplaud at gmail.com. And we're pretty responsive on Twitter at ShockedApplaud and Facebook at ShockedAndApplaud. I'd really appreciate the opinions that you have on who we should introduce others to as well. Again, this has been your co-host and producer Jen from Shocked and Applaud. And from all of us at ShockedAndApplaud.com, thank you for patroning the Peculiar. peculiar.